Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary. Not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I am Luke Owen and I'm joined by Laurie Blake. Hey mate. Hello mate, how's it going? Yeah, I'm all right, you know. It's yeah. Friday. It's Friday, Friday. It's Friday, Friday. Got to get down on Friday. Um yeah, how you, so how you been? How's work, how's life been treating you? Uh yeah, life's been all right, you know. Just been plodding along. <laughs> Played a lot of Smash Bros. I'm <gasps> really tired of life. Down. but yeah i've been really, really getting into smash bros with my brother which has been quite good we don't we've had it for obviously it's been out for like two years and have not really played it very much and now we start playing online most weekends and i've started winning yeah yes that's all i care about well it has been a busy old day in wwe by the sounds of things major changes have happened so the, we're asking the question what is going on in wwe here is the show WWE put out a statement uh, saying, and this is a direct quote, in an effort to streamline our creative writing process for television, we have consolidated, sorry, I'll try that again, we have consolidated both teams from Raw and SmackDown into one group led by Bruce Pritchard. Paul Heyman will concentrate on his role as an in-ring performer. So, last year, in fact, it's less than a year ago, uh, it wasn't June, but it was less than a year ago. WWE made the announcement that Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff were coming into WWE, or coming back to WWE in the case of Bischoff, to be the creative directors of both Raw and SmackDown. Bischoff lasted four months, mm. uh, or there or thereabouts. Uh, Brian Alvarez, uh, I think, reported, he said at the time on Wrestling Observer Radio, maybe Figure Four on Figure Four Daily, that um, he heard nothing good about Bischoff's run. Like, he apparently had no idea who anyone was. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, SmackDown's really picked up since as well, hasn't it? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? Out of the frying pan. 
And yeah, you know, and like SmackDown has been quite a has been a bland show for a, like pretty much since the Fox run. It, it, yeah. It's last few weeks haven't been that bad, but like it's it's been like a bit of a you know it's picking up. But I wouldn't exactly say like oh they've completely turned it around. Um, now WrestleVotes are reporting that regarding the creative change, some sources indicate that Raw has been a mess lately. At times recently, the show has been changed up to the point of air. While the blame isn't solely on Heyman, he is the one taking the fall here. I mm. couldn't continue like this was an exact quote. Oh, sorry, it couldn't continue like this was an exact quote I got. So yeah, you got you got you kind of got to imagine that that is. One of those situations where what Heyman wants to do with the show is not what Vince wants to do with the show. Yep. Um, and I don't think, you know, this is not, this is, this change doesn't say that Paul Heyman is creatively bereft. It doesn't say that he, he even had bad ideas. It doesn't say that the show necessarily even was the product that he wanted to make it. You know, there, there's always that opportunity in WWE that Vince has swooped in the last minute, heard the storylines that were going to go ahead and gone, oh, I don't like those. So do these instead. And that is why at the last minute, everything's being changed and kind of rather than blame himself for making it really awkward, it's much easier to fire somebody and install somebody who, you know, they've been saying about Pritchard that his vision for Raw is more in line with what Vince wants. Exactly, Which, you know, yeah. that if that, if that just smooth, like smoothing the creative writing process and part of the creative writing process in WWE is not just having ideas, it's getting those ideas past Vince, then this is probably the way to do it and just be like if you have someone who already thinks like that and knows what vince wants then you're gonna have far less arguments i've always i brought this quote up quite a few times um it was from the attitude era podcast uh, when they were reviewing kane's autobiography i think this was on their patreon um but they were talking about like kevin made the point that kane is the perfect embody is the perfect example of minds coming together because so the creation of the kane character in 98 because you had or 97 rather because you had uh, Vince Russo's VHS video store rental, movie loving, love of the fantastique, you know, that. You had Jim Cornette's love of long term storytelling and building a character over time. And you had Bruce Pritchard, who knows what Vince will say yes to. Mm. You combine all those three together and you've got Kane. And that's exactly it. Like, Bruce Pritchard is the ultimate company yes man. He knows, like, if you give him 10 ideas, he will be like, okay, well, these are the two that Vince will like, so we'll only present these two ideas. Mm. It's just, it's seemingly just not worth it to do anything else, is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and you know what, I don't, this obviously, I think there's a, you know, this causes a bit of a stir in in the wrestling world and, and people want to speculate about it. Raw and SmackDown should have had combined creative teams the whole time. Like this, this, this is the this is the thing that WWE keeps getting slammed for is the complete directionlessness of people transferring across brands. Like, you know, we've had wildcard rules. We've had uh, just sort of doing away with the the brand split, really, to some degree recently. And people aren't the same characters when they move between brands. They're not in the same feuds. They're they're doing things on two different brands that are completely different. Like. People should have a story though. We, we were talking about this um, for the fight show about Charlotte Flair. Like Charlotte Flair has been on every single WWE product recently. 
Charlotte Flair is a different person on every WWE <laughs> show. Uh, you know, as NXT, she's, you know, NXT, she's sort of a, a bit of a douchebag champion. She, that's how she was presented. And on Raw, she's Charlotte Flair, this sort of like... The hardest working woman. Yeah, the hardest working woman. On SmackDown, she's sort of in the mix with other people. It's like it would make sense if storylines crossed brands and having a creative writing team that all is in together, that works really well because then if you are going to cross somebody over, you can have a reason for them doing. Yeah. And like, it's the reason why they had Bischoff and Heyman come in originally was because they wanted Raw and SmackDown to have different feelings. Yeah. And that's because that's what Fox wanted. Fox wanted SmackDown to be this more sports orientated product. In the end, it just became Raw, but again, and you know, like it's, They've clearly had, they have been different shows though, because Raw has been focused on building new stars. It has been looking at younger talents and being like, okay, who can we create here? So let's look at Angel Gaza. Let's try and do some stuff with Cedric Alexander. Let's try and do some stuff with Umberto. Bearing in mind as well, these are a lot of lads that Vince McMahon has then just cut off at the knees. The only one that he's really successfully managed to get through all of this is Drew. Drew is was a Paul Heyman project. He won the Royal Rumble because Heyman was pushing for Drew to win the Royal Rumble and to main event against Brock Lesnar at Mania. That is Drew. That, that's that's been Paul's project, and that's one that's worked. Everyone else that he's tried to do, Buddy Murphy, Alistair Black, they've all been more or less just leveled out and haven't progressed any further. On SmackDown, on the other hand, Pritchard's been doing the sort of thing that Vince likes. You know, he's done do- Roman Reigns getting covered in dog food or did Baron Corbin, but Baron Corbin and Roman Reigns feeding for eight months over dog food. Like that's mm. that's Pritchard all over. And he's now doing the Jeff Hardy drunk driver storyline thing. You know, the, who shot Roman Reigns? The, uh, the, the backstage angle that they mm. did last year. Like that's all like Pritchard as well. Um, and now so smackdown is airing tonight they've already taped it and one of the angles that's airing on tonight's show is a contract signing between jeff and sheamus where jeff hardy throws urine in sheamus's face like that's what vince wants and it's 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 always this, this kind of frustrating thing where people are like oh yeah the creative process doesn't work so vince just fires people it's like well you're the one making the decisions yeah well exactly this, this is the thing you can't you can't make decisions they go badly and then be like well it's all of your fault for <laughs> suggesting other ideas that we could have done um <laughs> no it's the kids that are wrong yeah exactly <laughs> I, you know and this is the thing like paul I don't know. It depends how Paul Heyman thinks about this, I guess. Like maybe he's relieved that he doesn't have to keep coming up with brilliant ideas that get, you know, uh, quashed at the last moment. Uh, maybe he's quite happy to go back to just taking his paycheck for for managing people, especially when yeah. it's someone like Brock who, you know, isn't there a lot. He's in there a lot. You don't have to do very much. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, it's it's a shame really because, yeah, like to just do... I think the biggest problem with WWE that most people would argue is the sort of the Vince centric nature of the products, like making a product. We're making a global product that goes out to millions of people and has millions of fans, but we're making it for one man. Mm-hmm. And really that's all we're doing. You know, this is like when uh, Kevin Smith made that documentary for Prince thinking it was going to go somewhere and it just went in the vault. Like yep. this is, you know, this is, this is, this is the equivalent of that, but we're just accidentally getting to see it. Like this is, um, <laughs> I, I just, it would be, in, it'd be more interesting to give it to somebody more radical to lead uh, the writing team. So he's going to take WWE in a different direction because the current direction that they're in as proven by the kind of ratings fall when there's no fans in arenas, 
just isn't vibing with people. People aren't really chiming with WWE right now. I think SmackDown has been in a in a in a hell of a rut of just sort of hokey storylines, quite boring storylines for everyone else who isn't in sort of a they're not Mandy Rose and Otis in a love triangle. Like, mm. you know, there there are a few standout stories from SmackDown since it went on to Fox. And none of them, funnily enough, are the sports angle that they were asked to do. Like yeah. SmackDown has actively pursued people who aren't like sports stars as its main talents recently. So like it's completely baffling. Um, yeah, and Raw has tried to make a go of making new stars, and yet every single time it's the crushing inevitability of them just being like, "Oh no, you're just a mid carder now." Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned earlier, like Wrestling News uh, reports, is that Bruce Pritchard's vision is said to be more in line with what Vince McMahon wants. Uh, PW Insider have said the decision obviously was a Vince McMahon call. One source noted that Vince McMahon has been very upset and openly frustrated with Monday Night Raw as of late. The series has taken the hardest hit in terms of viewership during the Steve Carino pandemic. And the ratings really appear to be a key factor of this. And it should be noted next month is an investor's call so Ooh, oh yeah so Heyman is once again is he's the scapegoat is so that vince can go into that investor's call next month and people can say like why aren't ratings good and you were like well it's okay because we've got rid of the guy that made all the bad ratings on raw bruce pritchard because smackdown has had a dip in viewership but it's not been as drastic as raw's mm. has so they can say, well, Pritchard didn't lose as much. So he's now the creative guy over on SmackDown. And as we talked with WrestleNomics, uh, with Brandon from WrestleNomics uh, at the last investors call, mm. the investors aren't looking into this too deeply. Like, because I, I asked Brandon, like, you know, why do, pe do people buy into what he's saying? And, like, and they go, yeah, as long as Vince is still in charge, the investors don't mind mm. because Vince is the one that created the product. And so as long as he's happy, the investors are happy. Yeah, well, I mean, do you know what? There's in that sort of business in which they are still making an ungodly amount of money doing WWE. If you're an investor, there's not really much point, you know. Like, if the business was failing, then yeah, take a really keen interest and really look into it. But like, if you're just making slightly less money during a global pandemic, why would you look closer? Like, the, the answer seems like it's obvious, right? Like, it's that you just go, well, it's just it's covid and mm. that's it um i think yeah and i think that's the thing i don't think raw, i think raw has been the better product out of raw and smackdown during this time i think uh raw has at least tried different things it's had better wrestling it's it's used underused stars and talent i think the problem for people watching it is probably that it's still three hours long <laughs> well, you know yeah. that's that's probably that was the problem before and it's it's even worse it's even more exacerbated when people are like well I'm kind of struggling to get into wrestling as a thing anyway. So like, you know, watching this now for three hours actually does drain you even more than trying to watch it normally, especially when the matches are shorter. Yeah. Um, PW Insider, so Mike Johnson also added, with Heyman's exit from his position on Raw, Bruce Pritchard rises up to become one of the top executives for the company, which, as PW Insider reported when we broke his return to WWE in February 2019, was always the plan. So, Ooh. <laughs> so that seems. I mean, that that's quite a. Oh, it's quite a horrific sentence. Um, we also have this like so. Pete, uh, Ollie, and Pete. Uh, you know, they're the news team at the moment uh, for on WrestleTalk uh, on the YouTube channel. And um, Pete posted up uh, this quote in the Discord. This is from a Paul Heyman interview in 2013. Uh, Once you write shows. Once you write the shows with Vince McMahon, it's kind of like Icarus flying too close to the sun. 
if you get a second chance to be Icarus, you're going to fly towards Jupiter. I don't have any desire to write the shows anymore. Oh, oh Heyman. Oh, dear. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? It's like, it's what's the what is the point? <laughs> this guy used to run his own show. He's like, he's he's perfectly aware that he can make people like wrestling. Yeah. And his kind of wrestling. So, like, I guess working for Vince and just being told, no, that's not the stuff that we're going to like. And, yeah, Heyman, I don't think Heyman is, like, right on the bleeding edge of what's cool in wrestling right now. He's definitely got very 90s attitudes towards what will make good sections but some of them still hold up and some of the some of his ideas and his, his desire to push new talent is all really good stuff some of the other sort of uh more borderline misogynistic stuff and uh a bit of ropey <laughs> comedy yeah that maybe that can go away but exactly, I think, yeah i think he's at least i think he's a sort of boundary pusher Heyman, and that's what's kind of interesting i think that's that's he pushes boundaries in sort of a in not a really try hard way. I think Jeff throwing urine at Seamus is quite try hard to be like edgy, and I think the way that Heyman does it and the way that he sets up kind of big moments um, isn't so obviously trying to push your buttons, but can push your buttons in the right ways. Look at the stuff with like Edge and Randy Orton and all that kind of thing. Like all this stuff is very clever to get people riled up, um, but isn't so trying so obviously hard. It isn't dog food. It isn't, you know. Yeah. There's and no problem. And that's it. Like, you know, it's, to say that Paul Heyman has had a perfect run on Raw, I think is is quite a, that's quite a high public statement. He's done some really, really good stuff. Mm. But, you know, like the Lana, Lashley, Rusev love triangle was pretty awful like that, mm. that was that was a dog turd of a story that went nowhere and, and crashed and burned um similarly with smackdown like you know i can rag on bruce pritchard a lot but that that mandis it's mandis mandis, mandis the mandis storyline was actually was really good and mantis, it, it, we could we could do mantis from there mantis that's War, better mantis yeah man the mantis storyline was great and it continues to be good as well. Like, I mean, Sonny Deville lost last week, which, you know, really derailed some, uh, some. But, you know, overall, I think it has been a really, really good stuff. It's just, it's, I, I feel, I feel bad for Heyman because this really does feel like he's just, he's the latest scapegoat. And like, you know, when we get to the next quarterly investment and ratings still aren't up or ratings haven't bounced back, like who's the next scapegoat then? Is it just going to see a Bruce? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Is Bruce going to be out on his ass then? Is it going to be his fault? Like it's, it's, yeah, it, it, it's a very, very bizarre working environment. I've, I was reading through some of the replies to the, the, the tweet announcement that WWE posted. Not great uh, responses. Uh, I did like Solomonster's joke, though, uh, which was, glad to see Paul finally living his dream. He will be a, but will he be a flippy wrestler or more of a submission specialist? <laughs> Something in regards to Heyman's going to be an on-screen uh, performer or an in-ring performer again. So, I mean, yeah, in-ring performer on-screen character i think is you know more yeah. what they're talking about so i guess brock's coming back soon yeah well paul Heyman, maybe maybe sort of part of this bartering was you know this is a two-way conversation because i think everyone knows like you you can't work at wwe and not know the mechanisms of this and the reasons why this would be happening if, if we're sitting here saying you know just before the investors call they get rid of the guy who seemingly is responsible for the big fall in ratings and it's not his fault, really, is it? Because I, I imagine—I don't imagine Paul Heyman's going to particularly sit there and be told, "Yeah, you—you you are directly responsible for the falling ratings on Raw," and he'd be like, "You made me rewrite everything." <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
so I imagine part of that, yes, yeah, so there, there is that option that Brock is coming back. What I think is hopefully going to happen and slightly more juicy is that Paul Heyman might have said, give me this person as a project then. Mm. You know, I want to... And you know, like this is the same thing with the Brock stuff. Like before Paul was uh, running Raw, he was just working on the Brock storyline stuff. He was very heavily involved in what Brock was doing and what they would be doing on screen together. And I imagine he'd probably pitch for that sort of same level of influence over what is going to happen going forward. And, you know, who can we hopefully we get to see who the next Paul Heyman guy is. That would be really cool. Uh, so the other note on this, or the sort of to round this all up, is that uh, Vince isn't just frustrated with Raw's falling ratings. He's also quite frustrated with NXT's falling ratings. Thankfully, however, according to Wrestling News, there is going to be no shaking up of that creative team. It's just we might see, uh, or likely will see, more Raw and SmackDown stars going to NXT. Not moving to NXT, uh, but just appearing on the show as a way to boost ratings. And nobody minds that at all. <laughs> that, is, that is the perfect situation. That's great. And and like that kind of rings true for you know this week's both Dynamite and AE sorry both Dynamite and NXT were down in the ratings this week, but that's kind of disappointing for it's disappointing for both shows, but I think it's very disappointing for NXT because they've just come off the back of a pay per view, and usually when you have a pay per view, you get that ratings bump, and they weren't they were down to seven uh, six hundred and seventy three thousand. They just just lost out to Dynamite, who only got four thousand more viewers overall. Ooh. Um, and the Wrestling Observer noted that last night's NASCAR broadcast drew 1.7 million viewers and a 0.3 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic, which likely took viewers away from both shows. Wow, people would rather watch cars drive in a circle than watch WWE uh, or AEW. That is sad. Uh, I get. I think the thing is, yeah, I think this is the thing. Like, um, you know, a, uh, NXT coming off the back of Takeover. Um, I think the, the difference with NXT is like you don't necessarily get those bit like it's not known for big moments post takeover like raw the raw after a takeover uh, so the raw after any pay-per-view it's kind of when you expect them to there to be some sort of big surprise and a big shock and something to really sort of derail something that happened at that show that that's where WWE maintains its momentum NXT tends to do people getting their heat back or sort of um, people coming out to just address the fact that they're the champion again. And they don't necessarily push much forward. I think this week's NXT was very good at pushing some stuff forward, like Scarlett coming out and confronting uh, Adam Cole at the end was just a, one, a brilliant symbol um, and a, a wonderful bit of television, but like a very exciting vision of the future. Um, but they don't necessarily do they, they don't have these crazy things after takeovers they they normally have their debuts sort of at takeover they normally mm. have their uh, big moments to close a takeover rather than sort of waiting until the next night so i guess there's not that training in the nxt audience to be like well i'm really bothered now like you know i'll pick it up again slightly yeah. later and then we'll catch up before the next takeover because also that's probably months away now yeah that was the thing is there uh Mike Tyson, I think, really did have an impact for uh, for AEW's viewership because you know they've dropped like two hundred thousand, maybe, or like there or thereabouts, maybe one hundred and fifty thousand marks since the the Mike Tyson stuff. Since Mike's not been on TV, so he did have a you know he did have some positive impact, particularly coming off the back of that pay per view. Also, so, people just interested to see how he'd get out of his t shirt this week. <laughs> 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, right, so let's dive into the Patreon mailbag. If you would like to submit a question to the mailbag, all you've got to do is become one of our awesome pledge hammers on Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash wrestle talk and leave a comment in the community section. Do not email me, I will just lose it. The first person to submit a question is called Luke Bowers, killing it in the name department there, Luke. Um, said, I've been watching a lot of 2000 and the lead up to the Royal Rumble, and there's a lot of forgotten storylines such as Edge marrying Val Venus's sister and Tory, not that one, being so being a so-called psychopath and a bunch of wrestlers saying that different wrestlers want to have sex with her so Kane can beat them up. My question is, what is a forgotten storyline that you think doesn't get the credit it deserves? Perry Saturn loves a mop. <laughs> uh, that clearly that got that got the recognition it deserves uh that's fine <laughs> i'm fine with that that bit of history yeah that's a really good one like i i there's part of 
the uh, I was about to say this part of the Beaver Cleavage stuff. Like when Beaver Cleavage failed and they tried to repackage it and he came out as Chaz and he had his girlfriend and the girlfriend was sort of lying to him and that brought about the return of the headbangers. Like there was some stuff in there that I kind of like, it's very, very, like it doesn't hold up particularly well mm. with under a modern lens. But uh, yeah, there's there's bits and bobs. In there, this is the thing. Yeah. You look up like you look up like obscure wrestling storylines, and it's things that people talk about all the time. It was like looked it up, and it was like uh, Kane versus Fake Kane. It, it's like uh, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio fighting over custody of Dominic. It's like this An obscure people, one. People talk about that all the time. Like. Was a question on Quizzlemania this week. Uh, Aliada said that this whole greatest wrestling match gimmick is obviously never going to work with regard to the match actually being the greatest ever, but it is a good business move because the backlash card is filled with matches one could see on normal TV taping, and all the matches have a fairly obvious winner. So, with that, uh, the gimmick as Edge versus Orton. Uh, with their gaming for Edge versus Orton, people will tune in to find out what they do and how much it sucks. Even for people who don't tune into the pay-per-view, people will probably still watch like the match was based on reviews, be it horrible or good, because they want to see for themselves and how much WWE overbook it. I could be wrong. Let me know what you guys think. As always, lots of love from you guys from Pakistan. Hope you're staying safe and jam that jam. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I so kind of, yeah, I mean, if I was to do some broad speculation, I think this greatest wrestling match stuff probably wasn't designed for this show. Kind of, I, I think actually this was posted up on WrestleTalk.com yesterday. It kind of has a bit of a Saudi Arabia vibe to it. Yeah, they love the biggest, greatest, bestest to wait yeah. something. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I kind of feel like maybe that's what it was. But like, I kind sort of been the, the yeah, this would have been the greatest wrestling match ever. Dot 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 in the beautiful city of Riyadh. <laughs> yeah, here you go. So progressive. <laughs> But I kind of get what Ali is is saying here as well, is that like if you market something as the greatest wrestling match, you might get people tuning to be like, well, I mean, is it? People who are expecting it not to be, which I'm expecting it not to be. Oh, big time. Uh, yeah, big time. Because although my prediction was that it's not actually going to be a match, according to reports, it actually is going to be a match and it's about half an hour. Ooh, dear. Um, oh, dear. That'll be a fun little stream for us on Sunday night. <laughs> Um, but you know so people are going to tune in to be like well is it and if it's not to be like ah what a load of crap that was get on social media that was not the greatest match of all time people are talking about it yeah i think not in a positive way but people are talking about it i think it i think the more genius business move here is to name something the things that people will google uh (laughs) and i think that is that is kind of the more insidious clever bit of like marketing here to call it the greatest wrestling match ever Uh, and i think the conversation of what is the greatest wrestling match ever has very much shifted in the last five years to probably something with kenny omega in um probably something with you know like there is there is so many there are so many like dave Meltzer recommended matches above five stars that happened in japan or on somebody else's programming that probably vince it's kind of his blood's probably boiling a little bit that people are googling that and that's what's coming up so naming a match on one of your shows and your entire show really the greatest wrestling match ever if you try and google it now that's all that comes up so this is one of the, i think this is one of those situations where he is just manipulating search engines to wipe out the idea that other shows might have had better wrestling matches than his shows 
which means uh, at the next pay-per-view, the match is going to have the gimmick of does 5G cause Steve Carino? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Kano Mag. Hi, guys. Uh, this is my first mailbag post. I finally become a pledge hammer after years of watching you. I remember the time Ollie was alone and the T-shirts were falling down during the Wrestle Ramble. My good times. Uh, my question is, if you could be the leader of a wrestling faction, which one would you be and why? And you can add a new member of your choosing from any era or company. Uh, I'm going to pick the Nexus because I bloody loved the Nexus. I want to lead the Brood. <gasps> oh, oh <good> <laughs> yeah, I want to lead the Brood. And who do I want to add? Sue Young. <laughs> yes, that's great. Yeah, I'm going to pick Nexus. Who would I add? Any era from any company? Huh. I'm not sure on that one. That's a good question. Yeah, I, quite, I, quite like, I quite like my brood to be sort of like to sort of slowly seeg into from just like vampires into like movie monsters. So I think Sue Young's a good starting point to be like, well, we've got a, we've got a zombie. Yeah. So now we're gonna we're gonna get a Frankenstein and we're gonna get yeah, a PCO. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Manraj, uh, hey guys, with the amount of time on my hands with the ongoing current pandemic, I was looking to rewatch the rise of wrestlers such as CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Austin, and The Shield. Could you please point me in the right direction of where to start watching these guys on the network just before they broke through? I think actually the network has a lot of playlists for those guys, particularly The Shield. They've got a good playlist for, for them, and I'd imagine they've got one for Austin. Like Austin's rise starts at King of the Ring 96. Um, but you are there's a like bearing in mind is like King of the Ring '96 is where the start of Austin's rise is. He does not mm. win the title until WrestleMania '98, so there's a lot of like that whole '97 yeah, yeah. period is a lot of build. So, but what's really but what's really good about the what's really good about the network if you're using it on computer? I found this out doing explained. It's like if you Google if if you search anyone's name and what you want sort of what you're looking for, it will give you every single highlight of like moments and it and it's it's really well done in the fact that it literally sort of will jump you to the moment in the show so like when i was looking for stuff about poison mist say uh and taking stuff from that like it would literally jump you to the moment the mist was used in any programming and just oh, cool. yeah it's it's actually it's actually they don't advertise it as such but it's actually quite an intuitive system <laughs> Uh, Dwayne the Gronk Johnson uh, just picked up uh, the new Wrestle Talk book on a Kindle, and it's a really good read. It's probably the first book that I've read for leisure in the past few years. Uh, anyway, as a newish podcast listener, I'm sorry if you've already done something like this, but my question is you're creating a faction of six WWE wrestlers who never won a world championship. Who would you put in your faction? We sort of had we had a Mount Rushmore question like this on Quizmania recently of like people who didn't win the titles. That was like perfect Piper, uh, Owen Hart. Um, what was the other ones that we had? Oh man, there was something like I feel like now like a lot of people have won the title because like I would have put Christian mm -hmm. in there, but Christian's now won a belt. Um, AJ's won the belt. Samoa Joe's never won the WWE title, or Universal title. So oh, in there. I wish she would. Yeah. Um, who else is a good one? Edge just won the Edge just won the belt now. I'm trying to think it was like some attitude era guys that got the big push. Bradshaw got the belt eventually. Um Matt Hardy never had the belt, I suppose. So yeah, you could put him in there. Mm. Um God, that's hard. Coming up with six that's is really difficult. hard. Yeah. <laughs> six is hard. Dude, one is hard enough. <laughs> Isaiah Kennard, uh, hope everything is going well with you guys and you've had a great week. Uh, I have a conspiracy type question. Do you think Daniel Bryan might be sticking around to have his last match with the one and only CM Punk? No, I think Ooh. he's sticking around because he likes wrestling. 
yeah, he he was he was desperate to get back to it. So I imagine yeah. he's sticking around. Yeah, and so he's gonna he's gonna run that thing till the wheels fall off. To yeah, co- to <laughs> nick a phrase from the Undertaker. Oof, and a sad, sad documentary. <laughs> I, oh my god! I just I found it so hard to watch because it's just like he keeps being like, "Yeah, I've got one more in me. I've got one more in me." And this is a man who will never be satisfied with his own performance at the age that he's at. And yet he's still just like, yeah, okay, well, I'm going to have to have another one then to sort of wash the taste of that one out of my mouth. Oh, no, that one was worse. I'm going to have to have another one to wash the taste oh. of that one out of my mouth. It's like you should have just, at the Roman Reigns one, you should have just gone, man. Like, Yeah, it was when uh, that Michelle McCall quote where like he has the bad match and she's like, well, that means he's having another one then. And it's like, mm. oh, God. But he's, he's like his... His, I don't know, his theory on what a bad match is is, is different to everyone else's, you know. Mm. Uh, Dylan from Cork. Hello, lads. I'm writing this question after I've just watched, uh, finished watching NXT TakeOver in your house. The set for the show looked amazing and it was a lot of fun from top to bottom. Got me thinking, what are some old pay-per-view names that you'd like to see WWE bring back? I always loved the Armageddon pay-per-view. The set was always cool. Well, that's it. Like, I and I the thing with just bringing a name back you've got to bring that set back as well like mm. i that backlash 2000 set with the swinging pincers is rad the armageddon 2000 set with all like the destruction like the cars like a like a big apocalypse has happened you've got all these burnt out cars and barrels and stuff like that that's what made the set that's what made the pay-per-view name cool mm. but if you just brought back the armageddon name now it's just going to look like every other pay-per-view set and like yeah exactly they don't they don't they the, the sort of Dressing is only saved for WrestleMania mainly. Like, oh, well, TLC gets a lot of ladders, but I think that's quite cheap to do. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't think that's, uh, yeah. I, you know, I like to, yeah, Armageddon, your judgment days. I mean, WWE and, well, WWF at the time had, had a very sort of uh, cool bent to all the name. It's funny that we've gone from that to like uh, great balls of fire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, they should have lent more into that. Stomping ground. It's a boot. Um, Flaming Live. Uh, do you guys like rock or metal? If so, have you heard of the Poets of Fall? They have some of the greatest music I've ever heard. Look up uh, their other band, Old Gods of Asgard. It's their it's their Alan Wake controlled games band. They are, in my opinion, one of the best storytellers in modern music. Oh, thank you very much for the recommendation. Mm. Um, yeah, if you saw our Facebook live stream that we did on uh, Wednesday, um, we talked a lot of. Well, I mean, I say we. I talked a lot about Slayer because it kept coming up in the comments. Luke just talked about Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> non-stop and, and Matthew, then source and then sources matthew shield uh i've been wanting to learn more about past wrestling from the 70s and 80s and was wondering if you know any websites that have matches from that era i still have the network but i can't find old pay-per-views for some reason any suggestions on where i can find the older matches and promos thank you keep up the hard work so yeah wwe own i think they own a lot of the Oh, they um, own libraries. so much. They own, uh, uh, yeah, they own most of like the old uh, NWA territories. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you, you, the difference is you have to. I think you have to look up what the match is and then mm. search that on WWE.com, and then that will probably link you to the network. Uh, uh, like I said earlier, it's it's actually pretty intuitive, and they have most stuff on there. Um, it's just very difficult to navigate in a normal way without like you have to sort of yeah i think if you search on wwe.com it will bring up videos highlights images etc for every single thing that you could imagine and then you can jump right to the moment it sounds like a really good advert for the WWE. i think you jump right to the moment you want to watch but you can and it's very intuitive and it's great so do that 
Brett Marriott. Uh, hi, guys. I had a thought about the whole Charlotte situation. What do you guys think of the idea of having Charlotte enter Survivor Series as the triple women's champion, i.e. holding all three belts? And she has to defend all three belts in a three falls, in a three falls fatal four-way match against a contender from each brand at Survivor Series, with each fall being for a different belt. Play on the cat angle. Um, Benoit Jericho 2000 for the yeah, Intercontinental European titles. Um, the original match, uh, yeah, so okay, so what do you think about that sort of match? It also helped Charlotte get very uh, quick to her 16 reigns. I prefer the idea that Charlotte enters Survivor Series with all three belts and just has a match with herself uh, <laughs> as sort of, yeah, or she could just do that at Night Champions, I guess. Um, I, I don't like it. Uh, I don't want Charlotte to be all three champions. I don't think anybody really does, except maybe WWE higher ups. Um, and I think they, you know, they're using Charlotte right now to fill the Becky shapes hole that uh, they have. They need a they need at least one horsewoman doing something. So th that's why Charlotte, I think, has been sort of dropped from NXT and sort of fast tracked over here. But I think that's going to last a little bit, and then I think Charlotte is going to come back to NXT and retake the title from Io Shirai and then Rhea Ripley will win the belt back from Charlotte at sort of takeover around WrestleMania time because that's long-term storytelling. Mm -hmm. Well, we've got a question about that uh, coming up, in fact. Um, CJ Warren, first off, say, uh, before that says, first off, I just want to say Quizzle Mania has been the highlight of my week for the past couple of weeks. I'm so proud of you, Luke. Thanks, mate. Uh, recently, I decided to go back and start watching wrestling from the very beginning of Monday Night Raw. I'm going to watch every episode of Raw and all the pay-per-views. And then when WCW and SmackDown come along, I'm going to try and watch those as well. Uh, I'm assuming, assuming you mean Nitro as opposed to just WCW brackets general. Um, this will probably take many years. Yeah, it will. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm enjoying it. Uh, and I'm on my way to King of the Ring 93. My question is, what match from 93, 97 should I be looking out for? Excuse me. And also, are there any years I could probably just skip? Yeah, probably from 93 to 97, you can probably just skip. Certainly, certainly 95 <laughs> through to 97. Those are some. 94 is not great either. Um, <laughs> why, why is wrestling history just like there are whole years you could just skip? <laughs> you know, it's bad. like, it's weird because like most TV shows, you go like, oh, you can skip the first season because it gets better at season two. But like WWE and WWF and WCW, it's like, yeah, just skip a whole year in the middle. And then that maybe then the next one after that year doesn't be bad. There's then this one, this one's yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, I mean, there's there's some like good stuff throughout like 93 through to 97, but it's just like 97 is when you could make the argument that the, the gears start to tick over and things start to kick it, you know, and, and things start to get moving a little bit, like, mm. you know, particularly when, you know, they start to compete really really compete against nitro after nitro starts you know kicking their ass and stuff uh toxic dogma first of all super chuffed at dominion getting a full review this month can't bloody wait for that absolutely so patreon.com forward slash rust talk ollie and i will be reviewing dominion from 2018 with that excellent incredible literal greatest wrestling match ever between kenny omega and katuchika okada uh the fourth one of their quadrilogy Oh man, we've recorded a bit of it already and it's been so much fun to revisit. There's also a lot of, as a bit of a tease, also just a lot of chat about the behind the scenes at WrestleTalk at the time. Because 2018 was when you joined us. It was when you uh, and like Ollie was taking holiday and then I took a bit more holiday and it was like the creation of the Fakeador character and, and things like that. So yeah, it was a lot of fun to revisit. Character. <laughs> mm. 
Uh, anyway, uh, Toxic continues. Flip Gordon uh, recently talked about the idea of villain enterprises versus the elite. What would be your thoughts on that and who would you have represent the teams? I think for villain, you've got to have Marty, PCO, Brody, and Flip. Yeah. Um, and for the elite, I've got to go with Kenny, the Bucks, and Cody. Yeah, I think that's the best. I think those are the best yeah. sort of. Hangman Page being annoyed that he was left off. Um, Very uh, good. Owen uh, says, I just listened to Ollie and Luke's review of Bound for Glory 2010. And one of the things that really stuck out in that episode was when you guys talked about Kevin Nash has screwed TNA on multiple occasions, but they kept bringing him back and putting him in prominent positions on the card. Uh, that got me thinking, would Vince and WWE ever put up with this kind of behavior? I imagine they would fire Nash immediately and never put him high on the card ever again. Oh. Uh, what do you guys think? Um, uh, could you give your insight into why TNA kept bringing him back? Well, I mean, they kept bringing Nash back. And Nash does what Nash does because he's best mates with Triple H and Shawn Michaels, who have got the mm -hmm. ear in Vince. Um, and they kind of did it with Jarrett. Like, Jarrett left them quite a few times. And they kept bringing him back. Yeah, it... Star power is the answer. Like, you know, for a show like TNA, like they... they wanted to have names that were recognizable in the wrestling world and they obviously they built a bunch of names themselves really effectively but you know there's something about a kevin nash that people are like oh kevin nash like nostalgia in wrestling i think is even more powerful than it is anywhere else in the world except maybe video games right like mm -hmm. i think i think wrestling nostalgia is like one of the the primal forces that controls the globe um and so yeah i think someone like kevin nash going away and coming back, going away and coming back is actually kind of even more beneficial than him being there the whole time. You know, like WWE likes to pepper uh, their sort of season with surprise returns for like a week or two weeks and then people go away and then you have people coming back around the Royal Rumble and around WrestleMania and stuff. So, you know, kind of actually yeah. makes for good television when you don't know when Kevin Nash is going to pop up. And I think Dixie Carter, uh, for you know, for all the, the the good that she did do for that company at some points, um, was a bit of a money mark, and people very very easily exploited her her niceness. I think that's what some people have said about mm. she, she was almost too nice, and a lot of people took advantage of that. And I think you know maybe Nash was one of those people. And plus, you know, he's mates with Hogan, and Hogan was running the show. So yeah, well, um, friends friends of all the people, friends of all the people who are running the shows. Uh, I think there's also that notion of like, if you are selling tickets to, for people to come and see the shows be recorded, uh, you know, if you can advertise that Nash is going to be there, that's probably a boost in, in the sales as well. Like, the, you know, that this is the other side of wrestling, apart from just like, does it make a bad TV product? Yeah, fine. But did it make people buy tickets beforehand? Hmm. That's a different question. Erectly, if you could go back in time and attend any pay-per-view, which one would you choose? I'm assuming, I think people will expect me to say Backlash 2000, but I'm going to say All In. I'd love to have been at All Ooh, In. Yeah, I think uh, TakeOver Brooklyn. Oh, good shout. Yeah, that's a really good shout. Uh, Pratik, um, I'm a history undergrad in India looking for a good master's program. I found some British universities very appealing. I'm interested in fields like world history, international relations, Asian studies, and unis like LSE, King's, SOAS, and Edinburgh seem like good choices. Of course, there's no guarantee. I'll even get into them. But what do you guys think as Brits about these universities? Keep up the great, amazing work. P.S. I love British slang. Do you guys know any Hindi words except Namaste? I didn't even know Namaste was a Hindi word, I'm afraid, but I do yeah, know. Yeah, so, well, but, so 
now I do. So I know that. Well, I can't. I can't. No, is the answer. I don't know any yeah. other ones. I'm afraid. Uh, what, were uh, the uni- what were the universities? LSE. Which one's that one? London School of Economics. Kings. Kings is London as well. SOAS is the School of African Studies in London. And uh, Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Uh, Edinburgh. I yeah, I know. I don't know much about Edinburgh. Uh, I like Edinburgh, the city. Um, I think it's a wonderful place. I would suggest going there because London university life is Edinburgh's smaller, and I think you you get more of a sort of like community feel. London's a bit disparate, and you probably end up living quite far away from sort of anything mm. good. Um, my missus actually, her offices are in Soas's buildings. Oh really? Um, yep. Uh, it's quite cool i've been there before uh it's yeah but i would also just hazard a thing so i seen a bit of financial trouble recently because of uh steve carino so just double check our plants um yeah uh i i i'm a went to a jumped up polytechnic so i don't think i'm in a position to really talk about universities um marcel jura hey guys i know that you are high on drew as a baby face and as you may remember i had a big problem with him literally squashing someone's pet eric rowan's spider pets to me are like family members and i still think murdering someone's family member is not something that a baby face should do it's been some months and drew has been established as somewhat the face of the company but i have to say I still don't get Drew as a face. Even if I try and blend out the animal cruelty, everything he does is Gronk-level jerkdom. I don't get his appeal. My question is, what's supposed to be small action ruined a baby face for you guys? Hmm. That's a really good question. I don't know if that has been like a, something like that. Because like even the, I, I made fun of the Drew thing when it happens. Mm. Like... You know, it, it was very clear why they picked Drew to be that guy because the storyline sucked and no one liked it. So they had Drew to come out to effectively kill that storyline to get the big baby face reaction. And it, it sort of worked. But I, yeah, I did sort of make a joke. I was like, he did kill someone's pet, though. Like, it's not uh, really it wasn't it wasn't a real pet. It's fine. We saw we saw it and it wasn't real. It was a mechanical spider. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know if there has been like an, an action that a baby face has done that's made me go like, Oh, I don't like you as a babyface because, like, babyface baby, baby like John Cena, I never liked him anyway. Okay, so I I struggled with Asuka towards the end of her NXT run because she was still being presented as sort of like babyface Asuka, but she was really sort of cheating a bit to win. Like she was she was kind of weaseling her way into victories towards the end, and they never really paid off on that as like a a heel turn or um, like even a character beat. It was just something that was happening in matches because they were clearly, they'd done so many Asuka matches that they were looking for new ways to finish the matches. Um, she did it with him, didn't she? She pushed the yeah. referee into the ropes when she was going up for the eclipse. Exactly, yeah. And I just I just think that sort of stuff, with that sort of undermined Asuka as a babyface to me. And then, then I sort of rejigged and was like, well, maybe they're just sort of positioning her as an Asuka, but I would love to see them do something with this like this slow turn towards the dark side as she uh becomes more and more desperate to keep the belt now that she mm. is completely un- and, and and her streak frankly so yeah uh, alex kirkman have you ever considered reviewing wrestling films for wrestle talk extra which is our patreon podcast uh either wrestling films such as the wrestler or Foxcatcher, or ones with wrestlers in like playing with fire or the marine 26 and uh, you can have fans vote on it um i think we have talked about that in the past like if we decided we weren't going to do a pay-per-view for that month but um i mean there was some outcry this month because we didn't we decided to do non-ww pay-per-views for this month and there were some people who didn't like that so i think if we didn't do wrestling pay-per-views there'd be people upset that we're not doing that 
Um, like we've got, we've, also, you don't want to review the wrestler. That's just depressing. It's a, it's a great movie, but holy heck, is it sad? Here's your egg saddle, lady. Um, Ashleen said, uh, "I've mentioned this before, but I'm still new to watching wrestling full time, and I've heard a few people ask on here what matches to show people who are trying to get into wrestling. And now I've mentioned that I uh, am somewhat of the I, I like the somewhat supernatural characters uh, that connected with me being a horror fan." But I think sometimes it helped me understand a lot and appreciate wrestling more were documentaries, uh, especially ones about Finn Balor and Becky Lynch. What other documentaries could be helpful for trying to get people to appreciate wrestling more? I don't know what the network's got on in terms of documentaries, but like WWE have done some amazing documentaries over the years. The the the, the uh, Mr. Perfect one's really good, Life and Times of Mr. Perfect. Mm. Um, the Brian Pillman one I seem to remember was pretty good, Loose Cannon. Um, yeah, I mean, but like their, their 24 series is always really, really good. So Dudley Boys, one of those, a Road Warriors one on there as well. I think that's still on there. But the Road Warriors one was really in-depth. Um, but I'd also recommend just Vice's Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah. Although it looks at the sort of the more, the, the dark side of the ring. Well, this is the thing. I don't think, yeah. that I, I was going to say beyond the map, but I don't think that's going to make you more, like that's going to be like, oh, this is pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it makes, like, you, it makes you appreciate the resolve of people to do something that, like yeah. this. I think that's what I was going to say. Like the, Maybe not does, the craft. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of looking at, you know, it does look at the dark side of the ring, but I think it just sort of like, it paints a picture of what the wrestling world can be. Mm-hmm. Um, Kid Gaskin, uh, I know you guys have mentioned the question on what match slash moment made you a fan of wrestling. My question is what feud or rivalry made you a wrestling fan? Uh, for me, it was Taker Orton and the love triangle between Edge, Lita and Matt Hardy. It's Cactus Jack Triple H uh, leading up into the Rumble 2000s is mine. I think mine would have been Rock Austin. That was about the time that I started watching wrestling. But yeah, I wasn't really watching it religiously because I was a child. (laughs) Pratik Shetty says, I'm not a regular AEW guy, but I do listen to the podcast reviews and watch some snippets on YouTube. I've only watched a couple of things related to Orange Cassidy and I'm sold on him. I watched his match with Pac and loved it. My question is uh, to you fellas, assuming that he's in WWE is firstly, would Vince see him as a draw? And secondly, name three dream opponents for freshly squeezed. I don't think, I, I think he would do well in NXT and would then fail horribly on the main roster. Yeah, I don't think that, I, they wouldn't get it long-term. They don't really understand, they don't understand someone uh, where you need to think about it for, like, I think the thing with Orange Cassidy in AEW, he's been very well presented and very well protected kind of as a feature. Um, and, and you know, I think the partnership with Best Friends has done well to sort of get him over as well while having still having other people do some wrestling. You know, you can't, you, you can wear that gimmick out so quickly. And I think they've deployed the amount that Orange Cassidy does because he's lazy very cleverly. Um, yeah. WWE would overexpose him within two weeks because they liked it. And, you know, they'd they'd also make it, you know, I think they'd also do that thing that WWE likes to do, which is here is your defined move set. So go out there, go out there and do those in a row. Um, And he would do that every week for 10 weeks until you were tired of seeing it. He would get the hashtag three week push. Um, Abid says after backlash, Edge and Randy Orton ends uh, with Edge challenging Drew to be the big feud ending into SummerSlam. Uh, Lesnar returns to start a feud with Lashley. Do you think this could be the case? Uh, I think Edge might take a bit of time off after this Randy feud. I mean, maybe I would have thought he'd have something at SummerSlam though. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him go after Drew. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, well, I th- I think Randy wins this match at Backlash and sets up the third. 
uh, for SummerSlam. And that mm. is, you know, Edge isn't going to win two matches on the trot and just be like, well, that's that done then. I've won the be- I'm the best wrestler and the best person who fights in a gym. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, this is going to be something that goes for one final one. Um, they want they want this to be, they're kind of try. I mean, you don't call it the greatest wrestling match ever and not try to position this as one of the all-time feuds of modern WWE history. Like, um, it's got to go for three, I think. XO Jailer says, do you think that maybe Deanna Perazzo didn't go to AEW because of Marty? They did break up a while ago. Maybe AEW didn't reach out to her because of her loyalty or because of their loyalty to Marty. Uh, maybe they did, but she feels like she didn't want to go to the company with uh, X's close friends. Uh, she also pulled out of All In uh, so she could sign with WWE. Maybe that could have left a bad taste in their mouth. So yeah, this is kind of like I was talking about this on the AEW yesterday about how Gianna Perazzo chose to go to Impact. And that's speculation on my part. I don't know if she did chose. I don't know if AEW reached out. I don't know what feelers were put out there. Um, but I, I don't know whether, like, I don't know. I, I, maybe there's something to do with money. I don't know on that one, though. And specifically the all in thing, I don't think people would have a real, like, I don't think they don't feel like a petty company no, that, I, would, that would do something like that. This, this, look, I think. I think if she goes to AEW, she's a uh, a medium fish in a slightly bigger pond. Uh, if she goes to Impact, she's a big fish in a smaller pond, and she has more opportunity to probably be the champion. Like you know, Impact has also had Tessa Blanchard be the top champion. So I think it's worth considering that you know, as someone still quite young and on the rise this is a really good bargaining tool rather than go to AEW and be like in the mix on a women's division that really features four women currently. Um, and probably two of the, two of them still need a go on the top title before we're going to get to Diana Perazzo. She could probably work, walk into impact and be instantly inserted into the same leagues as uh, Taya Valkyrie, et cetera. You know? Which is everything. Like she went down there and she's already like, you know, in line to face Jay, uh, to face Jordan Grace. Like, and, and, and as I said in the AEW review yesterday, like I, if, I think Diana made the smart move because mm. impact it does do a very bad job with its women's division. And I think if you are looking at your options that are available to you, I'd have probably picked impacts because at least they take it seriously. Like it's mm. not just like you would have just, as you said, you would have just gone there and just been part of the mix. And it's a women's division that's currently, it's on a treadmill going absolutely nowhere. Mm. Yeah, I think it's much better to be like, I'm going to get some championships. And then when I when we have the conversation with AEW or I have another conversation with WWE, I can go, I'm I'm a champion. Like, you know, I'm, I'm this, I've done this for this company. You should be putting me in a similar position. Uh, Jobber JJ said, what three wrestlers would you like to do impractical jokers with? For me, it's Orange Cassidy, Big E and Drake Maverick. Uh, Xavier Woods, I think uh-huh. it'd be amazing on impractical jokers. Uh, and I mean, and you know what? Actually, the New Day is, is who I would like to do Impractical Jokers with. I think what, be... what is Impractical Jokers? Oh, mate, it's, a, it's a prank show on on Comedy Central. I'm I big... wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> I think I hate I hate pranks. Well, the thing is, what I like about Impractical Jokers is that it's the the pranks are always on them. They're not pranking other people, mm. which I think is always quite mean spirited. But they are literally it's four friends who are just trying to embarrass each other, and I think that's funnier. So you're happy um, to you're so you're happy to embarrass the new day is what you're saying. If I mate with them, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So 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 for the, 
Yeah, for this question to work, we need to befriend the New Day for a period of time that makes it okay to rib on them in a public space and public sphere. Okay, so we've got some work cut out for us. Uh, let's get let's send some emails off later today. Uh, Mick Corvello, who do you think will be the first AEW woman to jump ship to WWE? So this comes off the back of a question we had last week about uh, who was going to be, you know, who would be the first person from AEW to go over to WWE. Uh, and uh, Nick's got a very sort of like very detail, which I'm unfortunately about to cut down due to time. Um, uh, and it, Penelope Ford were, was his answer, which I think is a very smart answer, actually. Um, but yeah, who could be the first AEW woman to jump ship to WWE? Brit. If, but I was going to say Brit. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, Brits. Brits like you know, I, I, and this this is not to be like it's not that she doesn't you know it's I think it's facilitated by Adam Cole's stat, status within the company. That's it makes it very easy to sort of be like, you know, wrestling is quite a nepotistic industry, um, and I think Brit would deserve it as well because she is one of the top women on AEW, and they I think WWE would think it's a bit of a coup to take her from them. I also think that WWE would love Nyla Rose because mm. she's such an imposing figure i think they really like that and i think they'd like to have another sort of monster heel on their roster mm. uh chris gardner this is an nxt related question just ties into what your thoughts were earlier how do you think rhea ripley's storyline is going to play out i'd like to see it go on for a, a year have her keep losing matches and then really snap one day thanks for jam that jam uh yeah i don't really know because they've done the sort of like getting her heat back uh, putting Robert Stone in the bin, but I feel like Robert Stone might end up being like I think they might come to sort of like an agreement. I feel like this is this feels like it's on the cards. Um but yeah I I I like I think like I said earlier like, I would prefer to see Ripley drop down the card a little bit, maybe go when when time is right, go back to NXT UK for a little while and then we build to her versus Charlotte at uh, takeover before Mania, and we this time Rhea comes out on top. Uh, Callum, I've been wondering about Wrestle Kingdom next year. Do you think Will Osprey could be in the main event for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship? Um, because that CM Punk uh, match probably isn't going to happen. I'd love to. I, I've been saying a few years. I'd love to see Will climb up that card, and I thought he was going to when he won the Never Openweight Championship, and then like before you knew it, he was kind of back in the junior heavyweights. But I'd really like to see him progress up. But I think for if if I'm Gado in, in booking this show, booking this company, I'm spending a bit of time doing this. You know, you take Will through the US title, you take him through the Intercontinental title. While mm. the titles that don't mean quite as much you are at least establishing him in that heavyweight division, then have him go on an amazing run in the G1 to then build him up into Wrestle Kingdom. Like, I think it's not next year's Wrestle Kingdom, not even the year after, possibly the year after that is when I would be mm -hmm. looking to have Will Ospreay in that main event Tokyo Dome IWGP Heavyweight Championship match. Yeah, from following on Twitter, he's certainly piling on the pounds uh, <laughs> yeah. in terms of muscle mass to look heavyweight. So I imagine he's going to be positioned pretty heavyweight going back. Uh, Callum also asks, um, do you have a TV show that you've watched more than once It's in its entirety? For example, during Watchdown, I've I've watched Lost twice because it's the greatest TV show of all time. Twice? Yeah. Uh, I don't watch things again. I, generally speaking, like, I, I watch things, I've watched all of Friends, obviously, like about seven million times, just yeah. accidentally and on purpose. For, uh, our American, for our American viewers, because that always does confuse people when we like when when Brits say, "Oh, we watched Friends twenty thousand times." It is on every single day in this country on various channels. Yeah, and like, and then also then everyone I've lived with ever has 
been into it. So it's always just someone yeah. who puts it on. This show ended like 15 years ago, maybe even more than that. It is still on every, and not when I, and when I say it's on every single day, multiple times during that day, mm. they will show about 15, 20 episodes a day of Friends. Yeah. It is on a lot. It's what Channel 4's other channels do for the rest of like the <laughs> mid bit of the day before they're like, they've got one, these channels that are built on like two or three shows that air around eight o'clock in the evening and nine yeah. o'clock. And then the rest of the day, it's just Friends. It's on Friends. Comedy Central. Yeah. yeah, it's on Comedy Central all throughout the day. It's on Comedy Central Extra all throughout the day. It's on Channel 5 now as well. It's like it's, neck. yeah, because it's not on Channel 4 or E4 anymore. So Comedy Central have now got it. So I they just, Dragon TV. No. but so anyway, it's on a lot, which is why we've all seen Friends quite a lot. Uh, Buffy is something I've seen a, a few times as well. Like that was mm. by choice. That's not on TV anymore, but I've watched a lot of Buffy. Um, yeah, Twilight Zone, the original Twilight Zone run I've watched multiple times over. Um, and uh, one I've doing quite recently is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like, when it ends, you, I just feel the urge to just go right back to the start again. Love it. Um, Dylan says, uh, which wrestlers... Uh, sorry, I'll try that again, Dylan. Which wrestlers need to change their finishes and what should they use instead? Huh, funny enough, Adam has done a video about mm. this. Um, yeah, I would. Adam has got the most definitive list on that, I would say. Go and check that out uh, over in his lists uh, playlist. And lastly, Adam for, uh, Adam Southfield said, I've been wondering for a while now, if Brody Lee has more of an open contract allowing him to work New Japan shows, do you think he'd carry over his Dark Order gimmick or would he do something slightly different I, I mean if you're a televised product i think you would want people to be that character elsewhere like mm -hmm. um it's different i think it's different if you're just doing a bunch of indie shows and you're sort of slightly different characters in different things but i, th I think the fact that AEW is on mainstream us tv you don't want to undermine uh, the exalted one character by going to Japan and being just like a different Brody Lee, even just Brody Lee and not Mr. Brody Lee, I think is probably too much. So uh, yeah, I think for the set, I think they wouldn't let him go unless those sort of things were in place um, to protect what they've got going. Indeed. Right. Well, that is all we have got time for on this edition of the WrestleTalk Magazine show. Thank you all so much for watching. Please click the videos that have appeared on screen right now to catch up with the latest WrestleTalk awesome things. I've been Luke Cohen. This has been El Fake Laurie Blake. And that was wrestling. Have you got much on for the weekend? Uh apart from playing Smash Brothers. No, not really. Um no, I don't have any plans actually. It'd be nice to sort of relax and not do anything, I think. Um I've got some like there's all the PlayStation 5 stuff come out, so I'm kind of tempted to be like, should I just play The Last of Us? Get ready for Last of Us 2 next weekend. I might do that. Might stream mm. it, you never know. Um yeah, let's I'll I'll see. Uh, but yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite interested in playing Last of Us again, but I'm also quite concerned that I'll be afraid and won't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, cause I've, I've played a bit of The Last of Us because I, I I used like one of those like couple of week trials of PlayStation. What's their streaming? Now. PlayStation Now, right? So I, I, I kind of subscribed to that for a two-week free, uh, free trial period and played Last of Us then, but uh, I didn't get far enough into it to really get hooked on it. But now having seen like all the reviews that are coming out for The Last of Us 2 has made me go like, huh, maybe I should. Because like when I got my PlayStation or my PS4, I kind of I bought like a load of games that 
you know were quite cheap and one of those was the last of us that i think got remastered for the playstation 4 um and it got sent to me with no disc so Aww. yeah so it's, it's kind of sat there taunting me uh, a little bit that I, I have paid money for it but i've never actually played it so, so sad. it was on uh, i don't know if you have playstation plus but it was on playstation plus for download for free the other week like a oh. little while a couple of months ago um yeah i've got the when i was working at itn sony sent me last of us remastered so i've got like a bunch of <laughs> games from that period that i was just like getting sent and i was like i've not played any of these <laughs> i played last of us when it was out on ps3 and uh, haven't played the remastered one i've started tried starting it again i got about an hour in and was like again scared don't like the clickers. <laughs> really don't like the clickers so yeah i mean I, I do need to give it more of a fair shake of stick but then again i could say that about a lot of games that mm. uh, i've not given have you finished time. spider-man yet Yes, I have finished that one. Okay, good, because there's, you know, Spider-Man Miles Morales is coming out at the end of the year. Yeah, I yeah, saw that. So they're ready, ready for you, Luke. Another another two-year project there. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm just spreading things out because, as me and Ollie were talking about on the AEW podcast yesterday, the pair of us have just burned through this season of Queer Eye, you know, mm. and, like, we did that in less than a week. And now, now what? Now, now what? Now what will I do? I'll have to wait for whatever the next thing Netflix drops this weekend is, which will be something, Luke. There's always <laughs> something. Well, you say that, and you're on on the money, but not the same thing. I player have now got every episode of series two of what we do in the shadows. So oh, I need to watch. <laughs> yeah. Hang up, hang up. I need to go. <laughs> got places yeah. to be. So that is probably what me and uh, my wife will be starting this weekend, which I'm so, so excited about. Oh, I love that. I drank drunk blood and now I'm a wizard. <laughs> Stupid bloody cursed hat. <laughs> the, um, oh, <laughs> the bit where they just throw the bone off the roof. And, uh, <laughs> uh, that's what, you know, when, when we did the money in the back, when we did the money in the bank predictions and I was saying how Otis might just run off a roof if someone throws yeah. a cake or something. That's what I was picturing in my head, the werewolf doing that. Um, <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Amazing. Uh, right. Well, that is all we've got time for on this edition of the Wrestle Talk podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, actually, before we go, actually, I'm going to ask you for your, your thoughts on the PlayStation 5. Uh, I haven't really, I've seen the pictures of the uh, console. Um, and I very space age looking. It looks like something that uh, Bioware would have designed for a Mass Effect game or something. Um, it seems quite cool. I don't. I don't necessarily want a big sort of white box in my living room because I don't think it goes with my decor. But uh, that's you know that's another story. I think the games that they've got lined up for it, like that that uh, presentation yesterday was just like balls to the wall like yeah you, you're gonna want this There's, we've got the spider-man game we've got gran turismo we've got horizon sequel like this was just pure resident evil, resident evil. this is this was like pure playstation fan fiction style like uh presentation my only concern is they've not talked about the price yet and i get that the, you know like and I think that's because that's not a positive conversation that we're going to have. So they're trying to keep that away from this reveal. Um, and so I'm just imagining they're going to be like, it's 500 pounds. Yeah. Because ah, there there's already been some sort of leaked, not leaked, but like people have been putting up like placeholder uh, pages for the games and stuff as well. And it seems like some of them are 70. So there's like another 10 pound increase in how much games are going to cost you. Um, I don't know whether this is just people speculating, but you know they 
this is all ultra HD Blu-ray disc drive nonsense. So maybe there maybe there is a, a higher production cost of putting them on disc, but then they do have the digital only version of the PlayStation. So maybe through the PlayStation Store they'll be selling games at a more reduced, in line with what we expect a game to cost rate. But who knows? Because you don't want to do that and undercut uh, brick and mortar retail sellers. It is a very hard world to be in. I'll be interested when the price comes out. That's when I'll be really interested in this console. At the moment, it feels like a sort of far fetch. It's like I'm. I'm also interested in Bangalufsen TVs, but I can't afford those either. So, <laughs> uh, the, um, the the Spider Man game. Mm. Did they also say that's coming out on PS4? They didn't, but I think some of the uh, first sort of wave will be cross compatible. But I think they're more likely to do it sort of if it's came out recently on PS4, you can play it on PS5 rather than this game's also going to be on PS4. I think it's Spider Man is one that they're going to use to push people to mm. buy the PlayStation 5. Um, yeah, because that Spider Man game was good, wasn't it? It was mm. pretty, pretty good. Slightly repetitive at times, but very good. I mean, that's all games now. Please go to 100 towers and climb them all. Because <laughs> um, that that might have been the game that was famous, but I don't think I'd get one for like. I mean, I bought my PlayStation for about three years after its release, so like I I've got a few more years yet of this console before I get into a new one. I wasn't bothered about the PlayStation Five and slowly over the last few weeks i've been like oh but i want one i've got all the other, i had all the other playstations at launch i want this one at launch <laughs> right well that is all we've got time for on this edition of the podcast thank you all so much for listening um we will be back well andy and pete will be back tomorrow with the smackdown review and then it's backlash this sunday we're going to be live streaming our reactions to it and there'll be a review of that in full on monday for your listening pleasure thank you all so much for listening take care i love you goodbye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.